This episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. It certainly is because eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. If you're somebody like me who cannot cook to save their little lives, it's a game changer. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in, wait for it, just two minutes. Plus, you'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You can pick from two-minute meals where you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. With pancakes, smoothies, and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat. They're ready. There's no prepping. There's no cooking. There's no chopping up veggies. None of that stuff. If you're like me and you're busy, whack on a podcast, whack these in, and they're ready to go. Nothing for you to do. No cleanup either. And the great thing is it's flexible for your schedule. So you can get as much or as little as you need when choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime if anything changes. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. So sign up and save. Factor is less expensive than takeaway and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So head to factormeals.com slash TWTW50 and use code TWTW50 to get 50% off. That's code TWTW50 at factormeals.com slash TWTW50 to get 50% off. Hello, I'm Grongy Maguire and this is Chantelle Fiducian Pate. Hello. Bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hi Grania, how are you? I'm really good and I'm excited about, as a fellow foreigner in this country, what I would like your advice on, Jubilee weekend is coming up. Oh right. Now I am very concerned about what to wear because I did think I would dress up in my like Kate Middleton realness. Okay. Now how do you feel about dressing up like English twee clothes? Is that cultural appropriation? Is it a costume or is it a culture? I think I think when the culture that you're attempting to appropriate once owned basically the whole world and didn't do very nice things with that, I think you just have at it. I just think, okay. go for it. Okay, So good. I think you're I'm free. Gonna... I think you're free to do as you wish. Yeah, I don't think it matters. I'm not going to get cancelled. No, 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 no. You will not be getting cancelled. Not At least not as if, if not if I've got anything to do with it. And um, I'm your co-host here. I'm the only one that matters. So if I say you can keep going, you can keep going. So you're in. Don't worry. Okay, good. Okay, that's that's my, that's something I was worried about. What, what That's What's fine. on your mind? 
the only thing I'm worried about is um, the media having to continuously report on Kourtney Kardashian's nuptials every single day. It feels like we get it. You're married. I don't care. I'm so bored of this wedding. Did you see any of the pictures from it? I I found the dress a little bit, but I mean, you know, let your freak flag fly. No, but don't let it fly. Dress- get a good dress. No, don't let it fly. Feel free to have your opinion here. Okay, Grania. Don't try to be nice and polite to Kourtney Kardashian. She's never going to listen to this. She doesn't care. She's too busy having a lick, her face licked by Travis Barker every three seconds, who, by the way, never smiles. I've never seen a man smile less at his wedding. He's apparently so happy. Every single picture is him looking down and looking morose. It's like he's at a funeral the whole time. He's never happy. <laughs> So yeah, go on about her horrible, horrible dress. It's horrific. But I mean, in a brilliant way, I must say. It's great fun to look at her dress. It just, I found it a bit confusing. It didn't seem to fit her very well. No, but it I did, did not. It just felt a bit like sort of a corset you could buy in Topshop in like 1998. Yeah, very much. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's an element to it that I kind of love. It's very trashy and it is, it's, Getting around the corner of being the trashy, the eye of the showgirls kind of Nomi Malone style of trash, mm-hmm. just about. But it hasn't quite gotten there yet. The makeup's still too plain and boring, and it's not quite trashy enough to be fully fabulous. It just looks tacky and not great. It should great. look flattering. Yeah, that's that's why it doesn't turn the corner of being fully trashy. Is that it doesn't look good. She doesn't look she doesn't look attractive in it, which I know is like, eh, but it's your. There's no doubt in my mind Courtney is trying to look attractive, okay? So we can all, let's not pretend that wasn't a goal of her. She's trying to look hot. And I don't think uh, she's succeeded, which is when you consider how what you know her figure is pretty amazing, mm-hmm. it took a lot to make her look um make her look not great thrice. And she's at every she's, single of these occasions, she didn't look good. She's my favorite of I mean, I'm not I've I've never watched the Kardashians, but I I, I think I've watched like half an episode once. But she was, she was always my favorite because was she? she always slightly Yeah, because she just always seemed quite grumpy and I kinda like that. Yeah, she did always seem like she didn't want to be there. I know exactly what you mean, yeah. But I think again, I'm not big like this is just an instinct. Are you it does feel like fan? <laughs> <laughs> they do seem like it feels like a genuine love match between. Oh, I'll these tell you two. that. Oh, there's no doubt there. Let me be clear. I I do think that they seem very happy together. I don't think it's a fake. I don't think it's a sham. Will they last forever? I don't know. Will anyone? But I think they look they look pretty happy together. I'm just saying I'm po- aesthetically. <laughs> They're a bit messy. But I think that's Courtney's thing. She doesn't seem to be that bothered about like finding the perfect dress. I feel like somebody just gave it to her and she just like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. You're right. <laughs> no, no arguments here. She definitely does not seem to care about looking that great. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I've gotten really a ranty about this. <laughs> it really matters to me. <laughs> Shall we introduce our amazing guest? We can introduce our amazing guest who hopefully um, dresses. I mean, they must. We know they dress better than Kravis. Well, this gal, she is a friend of the podcast she is an incredible comedian, comedy writer, and host of one of our favorite podcasts, Drunk Women Solving Crime. It is the incredible Taylor Glenn. The way they were. Hi, Taylor. Hello. Hi, Taylor. <laughs> Hello. Two American girls. Oh my gosh, the Zoom's going to implode. It's going to be tough. This is going to be a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're very welcome uh, to our podcast and um, we are a very romantic podcast do you consider yourself a romantic person 
Do you know, I was thinking about this and it shouldn't be such a difficult question because I've listened to a couple other episodes and I was like, wow, people just had an answer. <laughs> we do a lot of editing. Tyler. Just ready to go. So you'll speed me, you'll speed me right up we'll and skip right the, it. great. You'll take away this excruciating dithering about it. I think I, I think I am at, at heart. I can be a little bit cynical about some, I don't know, some of the more cliche romantic gestures, but. I've been with my husband for 17 years now. You have to believe in a little bit of romance for a relationship to last that long. And yeah, I think he's a a pretty romantic guy in a really lovely, genuine way. I was listening to uh, Pippa Evans' episode. She's so great. And she said, I just really love my husband. Yeah, she and put I, all of us to shame. <laughs> <laughs> None of us have been the same since that episode. <laughs> but I, I really do feel the same. And I, I've had that same experience where, you know, people are like shit talking their guys. And I'm like, yeah, he refills my glass all the time. And <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really supportive about my career. So what an asshole. Um <laughs> Yeah, but I wouldn't respond well to stuff like, I guess why it feels like a more complicated question than it should be. I wouldn't respond well to cheesy stuff. I remember a guy writing me a poem once, which is supposed to be the dream, isn't it? And I, even thinking about it now, I mean, it was 25 years ago or something. I was just like, was it it a fully sincere, earnest poem? No jokes in it. A hundred (laughs) percent. We, oh, yes. There were, did he make you read it? <gasps> did he read it to you? No, he didn't. He handed okay. it to me, which was a small mercy. But there were metaphors because <gasps> we just we had just learned about metaphors in English. So, <laughs> please tell me you still have a copy of it, though. Just to remind. So, whenever you get in a fight with your I husband, wish. you just look at that and go, "At least it's not this." I could <laughs> have had Todd, and his name was Todd. Todd. No, no offense to anyone listening, his name is Todd. But if you are listening, your name is Todd. Stop, because we don't respect your name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think a poet, I don't think, it's not like Samuel or Seamus. I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah, Todd hasn't. I mean, if it's a last name, Todd is a last name, could work. But hmm. Todd in the first place, what were you thinking, people? That was a really American mistake we made, calling people Todd. I presume, it's was he American? big American mistake. I would say Todd is our number one mistake, and then gun laws. And <laughs> yeah. then it goes from there. And it goes from there. But Todd really was where it all started. <laughs> Go oh. back to the first Todd, and it's just rotting from then onwards. Speaking <laughs> of great American romances. Mm. Okay, just a hint there. I mean, I presumed it. I presumed hint it. there. Let's have a look at the amazing couple that Taylor brought in, which I have to say made me incredibly nostalgic. It really hit a, mm. hit a weak spot. So uh, first of all, a few clues for Chantel. Okay. This couple met each other in the golden year. It's, I think, our most popular year so far. We're heading back to 1997. Okay, okay, I'm there, I'm there, okay. Okay, to get you in the vibe, Buffy the Vampire Slayer has just premiered. Ellen DeGeneres publicly announces she's gay and Titanic crashes into the world's hearts. Well put, that was a good one. But this wasn't the only momentous historic thing that was happening because forget any dead poets or Pulp Fiction, you might have to read. (laughs) We don't kill to be this couple before the sun rose and set on their romance. Whoa, you went a lot of places there. (laughs) You did a lot there. (laughs) Dead Poet Society, Pulp Fiction, Before Sunrise, and... Oh, 
of course. Okay, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Okay, I got there. It took hey. me a while, but I got there. I got there. Okay. I was like, Robin Williams went out. John Travolta. It was taking me a long time to get through all those. Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Nice one. This is a good in. I like it. Okay, let's get involved. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, so Taylor, if anybody's listening to this who aren't privileged enough to remember who Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke were, how would you describe them? Who were they? Oh my God. I mean, at the time, she was the woman I wanted to be, and he was the man I wanted. Totally. Totally. Simple as that. Royalty of the 90s. Yeah. Can I jump in quickly and ask you how big Reality Bites plays? in Ugh. your thoughts of Ethan Hawke because it plays oh, pretty majorly God. for me Troy is up there <laughs> do you know what I mean this whole podcast is going to turn into the Reality Bites episode because that is fine by me I am I can I can pretty much say it word for word let's go <laughs> it just defined so much of I I followed the fashion. Oh my totally. God. Her doily dress at the end when she yep. goes to the film premiere. Where she wears no bra and she has her boobs are shaking around loads. They're shaking. I did not have the same boobs, but I tried. Same, same. The haircut, the which haircut. did not look as good on me with nope. my big shoulders. No, did the but, sun, round sunglasses. <laughs> yes, so much. And he was the guy that I kept trying to land and it's really fun looking at this in retrospect because i rewatched reality bites recently and i'm glad i did but let me tell you it really showcases everything that was wrong with 90s feminism yep. <laughs> i mean my god I've, he... been saying, I've been saying this for a while taylor that i think the way you can judge a woman's maturity is if they watch reality bites if at the end they think it's great that she got with Troy, that's not a mature woman. If they, I watched it with my mother, and I remember her saying about Ben Stiller's character. What's his name? Forgotten his name. Oh yeah, what is what's his, his name? name? But Ben's <clears throat> mom was like, "Why doesn't she get with him? He's great. He's a nice guy. He's got a job. He really cares about her. He he took her show. I mean, yeah, it didn't come out the way she wanted, but he's a really nice guy. That Troy guy's gonna break her heart." And I was like, "No, mom. Troy's like intelligent and gets her. And like, have you seen his band? And he's like ironic and smart and cool." And then like, I grew up. <laughs> I realized like Ben Stiller was so the bigger catch in that film. A hundred percent. That's what really blew me away because I remember we were like, "Oh my god, he's such a he's such a dork. He's such a suit. Oh my god, what a yuppie. He's so nice and so he's so nice. He's stands up for her when he's yep. being a total C. Can you say anything on this podcast? You can podcast? say anything okay. you want. Yes. Oh, I know that because you were trying to remember Emma Thompson's name and you're like, what the cunty tell us her name? I was like, <laughs> yeah, I love this. mainly exists for me. What? <laughs> um, oh my goodness. So much. So everything about Uma and Ethan and then everything that went wrong mm. just feels like it's like the evolution of all of our Gen X mm. people. Do you know what he's I mean? A, he's a Troy. Oh. He's a Troy. And then I'll never forget the first time I saw Uma Thurman. My brother subscribed, my older brother subscribed to Rolling Stone, which she's been on the cover quite a few times, but I think this was her first cover. And she had her <laughs> arms above her head in this really cool way. And she had this black mesh top that was embroidered with sequins and it didn't close. So she was just playing with fire because <laughs> they could fall out at any time. But she just looked so in control. And I just got uh, like, and look, I've since questioned my, you know, standard beauty. What is it? And Uma is very much the like cliche of the white woman is, standard yeah. of beauty. But I saw that face and I was like, God, 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 if I could ever be like that. So there that I was, I was just dead. So when they got together, you were like, this is a match. These are my two oh, favorite 
I mean, could you even handle yourself when they got together? I couldn't. And I was, so these, I I would have been in my late teens and I had been obsessed with him for a while. Didn't know who she was till a little bit later. And I was just like, my God, they've done it. And they found each other. This is it. They had kids really quickly. So it also mm-hmm. just played on that, like, they're cool and they're sexy, but they're also maternal and paternal. Like, just all yeah. the cliches were there. She made pregnancy look. She did that Angelina Jolie thing of getting oh. pregnant and still remaining really thin and cool and wearing, like, Calvin Klein shift dresses and stuff like that and pulled it well, off. Well, let's, let, we'll get Sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Bit. Sorry. I, I thought like, I would have nothing to say and I'm just, just monologuing now. <laughs> <laughs> I really think it has a lot to do with his trajectory in this relationship, though. It does. I really, I think it's pertinent. I think Troy, there was a lot of Ethan in Troy. There was, so. and he knows that's the most famous role, and what he's known. For. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Get into it, Grania. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but and he hadn't even got together with Uma, you know, when he made that, when he played that part. So it very much was exactly. the, the. It was the warning. It was the warning that was there in plain sight the whole time. Nobody saw it coming until it was too late. Anyway, okay, I know what you're thinking. They are beautiful, glamorous couple, but what about their star signs? Well, <laughs> Ethan Hawke is a Scorpio, November 6th. Uma is a Taurus, April 29th. That's so, our first Taurus. I'm a Taurus. The, yeah, I That's our first that. Taurus. Oh, and it's okay. Taurus season. This is, this is great. <laughs> a bit, a lot of big Taurus energy to this podcast so taylor what do you think according to the stars above what have they decided is the compatibility rate of this couple oh interesting wow i don't know much about scorpios but there's something just in the name like they're just sticky spiny creatures (laughs) you have to be careful with scorpios scorpios are trouble okay they are trouble yeah 40 percent of taurus scorpio matches succeed (laughs) 40%. Forty percent, Chantel, higher or lower? Well, as a, uh, to- I knew Uma and I had more in common than just <laughs> unspeakably good bone structure. I knew there was more to it. Yeah. Also, the same star sign. As a Taurus, I dated a Scorpio. My mom was like, "Don't get with a Scorpio; he'll break you." And he cheated on me. She was right. Um, oh, so boy. I know the Scorpios are bad. God, Grania, you're making me believe in this crap. <laughs> what have you done to me? So I'm going to say a low percentage. I'm going to say like ten percent. So according to the literal universe, as opposing signs, Taurus and Scorpio can be madly attracted to each other. Scorpio has this depressive, so remember, this is Ethan Hawke, has this depressive need to die naked and sweaty in the arms of a loved one. While Taurus, Uma, has the need to be loved this much. It may even sound romantic, but carries with it all unresolved emotional issues as baggage into their sexual encounters. This can become an obsession and even an addiction. However, 95% match. Shut up. Oh my God. I should never have let that guy break up with me when he cheated on me. (laughs) Now, is that saying that 95% of people will end up with that combination, but it has nothing to do with the longevity, right? I think it's like, this is what they decide that it, they, they've got a very high success rate when they're together. Wow. Okay. 
You do okay. need to find your Troy then. Well, I know. Damn it. <laughs> so it's like the assholes are good for me the whole time. If he's had therapy, though, and, you know, you can work some of yeah, that stuff out. Yeah, I can find out. the Troy now. The, you the need to get them at the right time. Get yeah. them at the right time. Okay, so let's have a look at Ethan's backstory. So he's mm. born in Texas yes. to a charity worker and an insurance agent. His parents were high school sweethearts and married really young, but then they separated and divorced when he was four years old. So this is like a core trauma wound for young Ethan Hawke. Mm. He became obsessed with trying to win over his father's approval because he went to live with his mother. He even affected a southern accent and made an effort to be a lot more religious around his traditional dad. (laughs) Oh no. He said, I loved him so much. I wanted him to like me. I was aware that I was performing for him and I hated myself for it. And then he admitted he played up his artistic, literary, conscientious political thinker side when he was around his mother. So he was a... He was quite affected by the divorce. I feel like what he just said about how he feels about his father is how a lot of his ex-girlfriends will say they were around him, performing for him and acting up for him. So Mm. think about that, Ethan. Mm. (laughs) Foreshadowing. I don't know this guy at all. I'm just making this up. Also, the idea idea of a kid changing their accent for your benefit (laughs) is tremendous. Like, my daughter has a British accent, which is the greatest thing in the world. And, like, I would do anything I can to keep that and not have her sound more like me. And if she came up one day to be like, Mom, I love you, you know, to make me feel more connected, I'd be like, shut up. That's terrible. Stop it. And he started, he was very sort of artistically ambitious from a very young age. Mm. He started going to casting calls when he was very young and he secured his first big film role in... 1985 in the kids sort of science fiction film the explorers yes oh my god i love that don't know that one okay i know so i just know his teeth were really crooked i was more of a goonies girl so in the film it was also the very first film for another certain young actor called river phoenix mm-hmm. yeah okay and they became besties imagine those two out oh god heartbreakers wow those dimples so yeah they became really close with him really good friends then uh, the, when the film came out it was a, it didn't do well at the box office and the failure caused Ethan Hawke to he really like took it really personally he was like right I'm quitting acting I can't handle this I'm quitting acting so he was like right I don't want to do acting anymore meanwhile River Phoenix the next film he was in was Stand By Me yeah so that started like a lot of insecurity and he, he compared himself a lot to River Phoenix when he was a teenager uh, but don't worry, young Ethan, your break is just about to come. In 1989, he appeared in Dead Poets Society. And then he became, you know, really buzzy young actor. This is what he says about the experience. I didn't want to be an actor and I went back to college. But then the film's success was so monumental that I was getting offers to be in such interesting movies mm. and be in such interesting places. And it seemed silly to pursue anything else. He was right. But he was always very sort of literary. You know, he really wants to be. Very cerebral. Meanwhile, in upstate in New York. Oh, here she comes. Uma Thurman. Really? Upstate New York? Well, I think of anywhere north of New York as upstate New York. I think it was just (laughs) like New England. Wait, where was she actually from, Grania? (laughs) I think it was Massachusetts, but in my head it's... Of New York, though. That's not what that means. 
Duh, Canada. Um, yeah, no, that's just the upper part of New York State when you say upstate. That's awesome. That's great, though. I know. The whole time when you've said upstate New York, that you meant just the general New England-ish area, kind yeah. of. Alaska. And I was trying to picture Uma Thurman like bouncing around Buffalo, New York. Like, yeah, no one's like, ever she's... looked like that in Buffalo. <laughs> That's what I thought as well. Hey, I'm from Syracuse. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> this Jacqueline Bissett lookalike hanging around, hanging around the north of New York. <laughs> Massachusetts feels more her vibe. Yeah. I'm, oh, I can't get away with anything with you two today. Yeah, I've got someone on my side finally. <laughs> <laughs> So she has the most amazing backstory. It's a bit like, you know, one of those Daniel Steele TV films where you have to see the grandmother's life, the mother's life, and then the final episode, it's the daughter's life and she, she's been played by Liz Hurley. It's yeah, that her family is like, she's got a huge, like amazing lineage, hasn't she? So her maternal grandmother was from Sweden and she was such a famous beauty and staggeringly, strikingly attractive that a huge nude statue of her still graces the southern port of Trelleborg. Wow. Like, her granny was that hot. They made a statue based it's on It's still her. there. Wow. It's still there. In the southern... Um, her, well, apologies to anyone in Sweden. Um, Grania said southern port, but we don't know that for sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> Her grandfather was a German nobleman. Mm. They got married, but the marriage didn't last. But then she had Uma's mother, who moved back to Sweden. But then she was discovered, because she was so strikingly beautiful, and then moved to Manhattan to be a high-fashion model, where she became great buddies with Salvador Dali. And just, like, Standard. hung around, oh, okay. having a great time, vibing. Then she met... God, he, sidebar, he must have been a nightmare to hang oh, out with. God, can you imagine? Yikes. Uh, endlessly waxing that bloody moustache constantly as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Oh. You'd get hit with it and his eyes would just twirl oh. and, yep, all sorts. <laughs> He'd be, be like, a lobster on his head, be yeah. like, I'm so funny. Let me open your bra like a chest of drawers. Like, oh, shut up, Salvi. And there she met her first husband, the LSD guru, Timothy Leary. That's, I was going to say, I knew Timothy Leary was in there somewhere. I knew okay. it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Uma's dad, Robert Thurman, becomes the first American to be ordained a Buddhist monk. So it's very hippie vibes, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very hippie. He's friends with the Dalai Lama. He goes to Tibet, studies, becomes a Buddhist monk. Okay, becomes a Buddhist monk. Then he comes back to America and Timothy Leary is like, oh, hey, will you give a talk on Buddhism at my festival? I'll do more he... than give you a talk. I'll steal your woman. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, he meets, falls in love with Uma's mother, then leaves the Buddhist priesthood. And they get married and they've been together ever since. Really? Wow. Are they both God. still alive and together? I mean, at the time of going to press. Wow. At, and then they have a, a family. And just from reading the interviews, the nearest I could describe to them is like, the, I got a real royal tenabums. <laughs> it was very, they're all raised to believe that they're all incredible. They had a Tibet Buddhist upbringing. They spent a lot of time in India. Uma was mm. like, oh, I got bullied because I was so awkward and gawky and I was really tall. I was really skinny and nobody liked me. Classic. When I was a teenager, I was, <laughs> whenever anybody liked me, because I'd read so often about all these actors that everybody hates them when they're a teenager because they're really gawky. And that always meant they would look 
be good looking later on. So, so in my head, I was yeah. always like, people hate me because I'm real gawky. <laughs> <laughs> I must remember this from my first Letterman interview. <laughs> this yeah. will make a great anecdote. <laughs> and then she leaves school at 15 to become a model and quickly gets discovered and starts acting. Okay, so the gawkiness didn't last that long. <laughs> Come right. on. 15, 15, 15, I was flying. Fuck you. <laughs> So she stars. I was covered in acne at 15. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Gawky. So John Malkovic, who worked with her on. Uh, uh, Dangerous Dangerous Liaisons. Dangerous Liaisons, said this about her There is nothing twitchy teenagerish about her i haven't met anybody like her at that age her intelligence and poise stand out but there's something else she's more than a little haunted wow how old was she during day she's like 1920 wasn't she was yeah, very young super super young like God, 18, imagine being 19 being told you're haunted that's amazing <laughs> i just put that on my gravestone that's my epitaph story. i know like oh my god i'm so deep <laughs> i'm haunted <laughs> so bear this in mind she's suddenly gone from you know, being a relatively normal teenager to an international sex symbol at like 18. That's going to that's gonna be a difficult to sort of get your head around. So at the age of 18, she meets her first husband, Gary Oldman. Yes, oh, the Oldman God, years. God, the Oldman. So he is married to Leslie Manville. Oh. He is an alcoholic, but three months after... His child with Leslie Manville is born. He divorces her and gets married to Uma Thurman. Classy. That is classy. (laughs) Right? So Thurman was 20 when they got married and he was 32. Great. No problems there. Also, he's never been 32. He's always been in his 50s and up. Like him, Harvey Keitel. Yes. They're always the other guy, Tommy Lee Jones, all of them. They were born middle aged. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, their marriage did not last. Gary Ullman was accused of drink driving. He was a bit of a mess. And they divorced two years later. A friend told an interviewer Gary will always be crazy, but it takes a special kind of woman to put up with him. Gary Ullman says about being married to Uma Thurman. You try living with an angel. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> a haunted angel. A haunted one at that. He has it all. So um, he, then she briefly dates Timothy Hutton. Oh, that's nice. But coming up, she is about to work on a little 1997 film called Gattaca, a film actually about like genetically engineered beautiful people. And on the set, she meets... <laughs> I've never seen it, but isn't he basically like the piece of shit, actual human? <laughs> yeah, and she's perfect. She's so perfect. That doesn't set a relationship off on a very secure footing, does it? <laughs> and what is it? So Teenage Taylor, what was it about their sort of like coupling? Ugh. Did you try and find your Ethan... So I dated so many Ethans, so many. So and when it, you say, what, what does an Ethan mean to you? It what, goes back to the 90s grunger. I'm only mean to you because I'm a tortured soul and I haven't worked my stuff out and you have to play your cards right. And then you'll see this beautiful, but still messy creature underneath and the, 
you know, he's he's always been into music, so you got the music side and the sort of scruffy. That was my type for so long. And there, yeah, there was a whole persona that went with it, and they built a whole film around it, and we're back to yeah. Reality Bites. But, um, yeah, I just had such a thing for him. And it was the whole kind of, it's everything that then, uh, you know, from what I've read of what went wrong, it's everything that then made them go off the rails. But she landed him, right? Yeah. But then it's also that delusional thinking of like you have to be Uma Thurman to get your Ethan Hawke oh my god yeah. and this unattainable body and face and persona like yeah there's something about her where she's just always seemed really mature and put together but human and funny and just I just love her I still love her I think she's an amazing person mm-hmm. I love seeing her interviews I just think she's a really lovely vibe and so everything like, about it was like fantasy town. Even like his name, Ethan Hawke, is yeah. just such, I mean, come on, that name is just <laughs> trouble all the way. It Ethan is. Hawke. And her name's like Uma. It's like no one else in the whole world. It's like Oprah. No one has that name but her. It's like <laughs> Oprah, Beyonce, and Uma. No one has, you know exactly what we're talking about here, you know? Yeah. It's so, and she's so like, like you say, so ethereal and mm-hmm. lovely. And you just think that yeah you have to be that to get to get the ethan slash troy type i mean it was such a vibe you guys don't know what it was like in america <laughs> like that was what you had to we all fancied them that was what we were given it was the well, ethans the kurtz the sing- singles that matt dylan and singles all of that it is now at this juncture that i will also say one of the reasons i i mean the main reason i picked them is i was obsessed with them however my brother and sister-in-law lived on the upper east side of new york um, they moved there after I had left, um, but they lived very close to Ethan and Uma while the divorce was happening. Shut up. And so they had frequent sightings because their favorite cafe would be where they would stop en route to take the kids to school. And it would be one or the other. It would be like Uma, and then it would swap to Ethan, and they'd bring the kids in and get a coffee. Um so yeah yeah we had some familial sightings i feel like i saw the back of her head once and that felt like an anecdote and now i realize how (laughs) much of not an anecdote that i saw the back of uma's head (laughs) she drinks coffee (laughs) do you feel like no but easy i know because i know her i'm kind of involved because i did see the back of her head when she was going through all this stuff i could see that day I i know what that means for uma yeah i couldn't see her eyes but if i had i bet they would have been like haunted like they said like really haunted and yet also angelic and and yet you try living with an angel golly i did that's incredible they lived close to them that's pretty why they were cool though is they were new yorkers because there's something about the hollywood types that end up going no it's going to be new york yeah the sgp matthew broderick that Mm. those kind of the cool couples that stay in new york Mm. There's something I, I totally agree. It's a different vibe. Yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah we're real. We, we ride the subway. They fucking love to ride the subway. It's like, no one wants to ride the fucking subway. All right, SJP, just get a cab. What are you doing? Whenever I think of like Ethan Hawke type, for some reason in my head, it's just like rolled up cigarettes mm-hmm. and like a battered paperback that's like mm-hmm. stuffed in a jacket pocket. Yeah, corduroy po- jacket pocket with probably the leather messenger bag type with more novels and just notes, just like loose notes, sketches. Yeah. And he's, oh, he's, he's, there's, there's something going on, but he doesn't want to talk about it. But he's always thinking, oh, thinking too God. much. Mm. What was, did he have any big, like, he had no big 
like relationships famous wise before Uma? Not did he? really. I couldn't find anything. Mm, I couldn't okay. find anything. He yeah, was I don't quite on the anything. down low. Okay. Because she was very much like the sex symbol, the gorgeous one, and he was the indie alternative, yeah. you know. Oh, I'm an actor now, but I probably, I just want to be. It was when all those actors were mainly in a band as well. And you're supposed to be lucky. Yeah. His real passion is being in a band. Yeah, I could I could go any direction. <laughs> Don't pen me in. <laughs> yeah, I could, any direction. Acting or music, that's it. As long as it's one of those very specific two things. <laughs> well, so after they get married, very quickly they have their first child, daughter Maya. Love Chad to see her. Ma- Maya Hawk and a son, Levon. However, very soon after Levon is born, a year later, they split. So, Taylor, <laughs> what do you think happened? Why couldn't well. goddess, goddess Uma Thurman, who probably meditates twice a day and, you know, drinks three litres of water and is cool, you know, why could she not make it work with the ultimate... Well, I know that the rumors were always that he was having an affair with the nanny who has... basic. What was her name? What is her name? Because I think they're still together, actually. I think they are as well, aren't they? But he always denied it. I don't know. They ended up dating publicly very soon after the split, which never looks good. And they're still together. Good for them. It's interesting because I do remember reading interviews with him and she talked about it on Oprah. I, I guess she was like, I'll talk to somebody who has a singular name. That's right. She talked to Cher about it. (laughs) Um, And he talks a lot about being really overwhelmed by fame and that he wasn't ready for it and that he wasn't ready for marriage. I remember him talking about this (laughs) bit of science that came out that says, like, guys aren't done growing until they're 28. And he was 27 when he got married. And I was like, that is just depressing science. I I was was just 12 (laughs) months too early, unfortunately. What can I do? I just hadn't. But yeah, it sounds like their life was insane, though, because I think when you're both at that level, it really must be. Because parenting is stressful enough when you're like, wait, I thought you had her, da, 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 just in like pretty yeah. normal, regular circumstances. So I can't, I can't imagine that. And I know people are like, but you have all the money in the world. You just throw money at it. But it must be stressful if you're a half decent parent at all, which, you know, I always got the sense they truly loved their children and mm. really cared about what happened. Must have been a shit show. I feel well, like he a- may have also been intimidated. Sorry, Grania. I remember the way he talked about her family, which is how I knew that mm. I knew Timothy Leary was in there. He was like, I know when he met Timothy Leary, he was kind of like starstruck a bit. He's kind of like blown away by it. And I think her whole background is pretty remarkable. Yeah. And him, as you said, he's just a guy from Texas who lied about being Southern for a bit and had like, his parents had very normal sort of average mm. American jobs. Yeah. And for him already to be in Hollywood and famous, must already be like, ah, this is weird. And then for his wife to be this kind of, you know, bohemian, amazing, historic, you know, just kind of like a level above him really in many ways. It must be quite like intimidating i wonder if that whereas a nanny probably isn't <laughs> so i'm just just saying it might have been that might yeah have been did he get him. that sort of attention that his fragile ego needed yeah. that uma would have seen no reason to go because she's been taught like you said grania mm. believe that you're amazing so she knew she yeah. was amazing that is very intimidating to be around just ask my husband oh. right <laughs> 
Who wants to play Ethan? Who wants to play Uma? Just so you know, Ethan, there's a lot more to read out from Ethan. Yes, He's choice. more of a talker. He was more of a talker. Okay, I'll do Ethan, I guess. There we go. Okay, here we go. So here's some choice quotes from Ethan about what went wrong. Uh, I'm going to try to do his little... Uh. Oh, do it. <laughs> Success. I can't do it at all. <laughs> that was good. For a second, I was like... No, it's going to no, get so bad, second, though. For a second, I was like, oh, where's Taylor gone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Captain, my captain. Six, success when you're young is really overwhelming. The world fell out of control, and I, I wanted to stop it from spinning so fast. I thought marriage would decrease my variables or something. I was absolutely wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Also, that was really sad of him to say all that. There was, look, hey, yes, just what I was talking about. There was this discovery that the male brain isn't done until 28. I definitely think my frontal lobe was not finished. <laughs> oh, my God. You should have said that on the first date. My frontal lobe is not finished. (laughs) That's a conversation for before the wedding, Ethan. (laughs) It happens to every guy from time to time. I had no business taking vows that would last more than two weeks. (gasps) Again, things to be said before the wedding, Ethan. (laughs) Oh, boy. I think this, this quote here, really, I think this is, he was tired and he was just like, okay, I'm going to actually really tell you. At least he's being honest. He's, he's not making himself look very good here, so I'll give him that. Yeah. Ooh, wow. No time for the spot-on accent voice I've been doing. I just got to read it straight. Uma and I did not split up over anybody's infidelity. We had a lot of problems before I ever went up to Montreal. It's tough. You know, you'd come up with these rules. One person works, the other person doesn't. Well, then everybody's, somebody's always out of town. Okay, well, I'll go away together. All right, great. Then I'm living in a hotel room, taking care of my kids while you're off on a film set six hours a day doing what you love. Do that for nine months and see what a good mood you're in i love that all these men go like you try it (laughs) you try uma you'll all die like we did it's very difficult for any couple who are married if both people are very ambitious and our love got beaten up i don't know if it's just too hard to be married to a woman that wants to be a movie star i know that she has that right to want that (laughs) <laughs> that feels very much like the PR in his ear was like, Ethan, you have to say she has a right to want that, doesn't it? <laughs> and then this is the final quote from him. And I just think, I just, it's, it comes with, let's say somebody's about to give Ethan Hawke the advice that he needed, but he wasn't ready to hear it. And the person who gives him this advice is, I don't think it's who you expect. Around the time of reality, <laughs> Like even he brings it back to that. You know, around the time of reality bites, it's like we've had him sussed from from the first minute. It's fantastic. Around the time of reality bites, I met Debbie Reynolds at a dinner party, and she offered me all of this fantastic advice about you know her divorce from Eddie Fisher and Liz Taylor and how to separate acting from public life. I remember thinking, what does this lady know right now? The funny thing is, everything she said to me that night was true. If I could have heard her, I would have avoided so many mistakes. And that is the takeaway. Always listen to Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> Unless you're Carrie Debbie. Fisher. I mean, have we seen Post Post on the Edge, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that film the other day. It's so good. Anyway, oh, man. 
So Debbie knew. Debbie knew. Debbie, Debbie knew. could she see what was going to happen. I mean, oftentimes people that can't sort out their own lives are the ones with the best advice. And yeah. Debbie, Debbie's prime example of that. You know, she's like, learn from my mistakes. Here's what you should do. He's, she's, he's, I'm sure he, she's right. They both were sad after the split, but Uma was a little bit more vulnerable. So he seems very from- honest, though, Ethan. I'm quite, that's very rare. That's, you mm. can tell this was a while ago because you would not get an interview like that nowadays where someone's just coming out and saying it like that. Yeah, I think that's true. <clears throat> right, am I doing Uma here? You're Uma. You're Uma. Okay. You can move on and you can be lucky and you can seize the moment and you can take one step after another. You bear two children with somebody. That's not a small thing. And then you can hardly talk to them. That burns. Absolutely. That then became somebody she used to know. Oh. Literally, is that all she ever said about it? I like the way I always love when women say they bear two children as well. You bear two children. I love that terminology. Yeah, that's quite a turn of phrase, isn't it? Yeah, very biblical. That's what I mean. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Typical for a haunted angel. <laughs> so after the splish, Uma briefly dates John Cusack. Which, if I was her friend, I I wouldn't feel that great about. But it shows she definitely has a type. She really has a type, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Think, uh, speaking of guys you've gotten girls based on one film role, he's another one. <laughs> <laughs> then, things are looking up for her. She starts dating an American hotelier. Who now seems we're to come talking, from, like, Uma. That's a second marriage I'm thumbing to. There we go. <laughs> come on. <laughs> then she is with, uh, she briefly dates an actor, David Wick who was in Sex and the City and The Sopranos. And then her next oh. big relationship was with a London-based French financier, Arpad Bousson. They got engaged, they broke up, they got engaged again. They had a daughter, but then they sadly split. Meanwhile, Ethan married somebody who did technically work as a nanny for him and Uma for a while, but Ethan's like, that's not a big deal. That doesn't define us. Ryan Shaw Hughes. There it is. You were close. You were close, Taylor. That was pretty much bang on. In 2008, they've had two children and have been together ever since. Are they in a kind of happy, like, Demi Moore, Bruce Willis exes that get a long way? Or is it still, you can't talk to them? I feel like Uma and Ethan still, as far as we're aware, they're not, there's not a blended Christmas happening around the Hawk Thurman house. I don't, I, I mean, all the interviews was mainly about their children. So I think they're both very much in their kids' lives, so maybe in that sort of... But very separate. Okay, so it's more bold. Just laughing at Hawk Thurman. It just sounds like an investment (laughs) firm or something. (laughs) For 400 years, Hawk Thurman will be with you for thick and thin. (laughs) So they're more, yeah, Baldwin Bassinger vibes. Like, it's it's a a bad split. Yeah. So it was strange. The timing of the split came at a really strange time in both their careers because the year they split... He was nominated for an Oscar for Training Day and he said it was really disorientating because it was like the peak of his career but Mm. his personal life was falling apart. And then the she was kind of having her career had kind of sort of stagnated a bit while she was with Ethan Hawke. And then, you know, she, does she do Kill Bill soon? Then the next year, she does Kill Bill. Wow. And her her career is is Set off again. Hmm. God, that's crazy. But mind you, nowadays, what's... What's Uma Thurman doing nowadays? Well, she's in a new series on Apple where she plays the head of a, you know, a succession type family and her son is kidnapped. 
Oh, okay. And I can't remember what it's even called, and I really didn't make it through the first episode, so oh, I can't. No, no. I can't, which is not her fault. I just don't think it's very well written. <laughs> oh, yikes. Okay. Um, Ethan, I know, did that. Ethan's done pretty well. He did the whole, well, him, his link later kind of propping his whole career up. With yeah, boy, he's him, done loads of boy, stuff. Boyhood and the whole before trilogy and everything and all that. He's in like a Marvel series now. Like he's kept Is some he? steady work. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the before trilogy. Oh, I just want to veer. Trilogy. Oh, and if anyone wants to watch that trilogy, you have to watch it with like ten years gap between each film. You can't do it in one day; it doesn't work that way. You've yeah, got to that's wait true. the way we had to wait. You had to wait for it. That's what makes it so good. Mm. Oh, they're beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's great. Well, speaking of the beginning and end of a romance, every splish there are winners and there are losers. So, in the tragic. Splish between Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Taylor, who do you think thrived and who simply survived? Gosh, it's not as straightforward now that we've hashed it all out, you know, because I went into this thinking like, oh, Ethan definitely just survived because he's spoken of his pain so much. But in a way, I wonder if he got to sort of craft his own narrative around that. And now he's ended up with the very woman that he was accused of, blah, blah, blah. He's gotten all, you know, it he's hasn't hurt his career. With, with more kids, his career's going well. Yeah. He seems generally quite liked as well. Yeah. In Hollywood. Yeah, there okay. hasn't been any, like, since this, there's no hawk scandals. No. So I wonder mm-hmm. if it's actually Uma who sur- just survived the breakup anyway. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. Maybe she's happy being single. Well done, Uma. I don't think she's going to be in. I think yeah. Uma's probably fine. <laughs> but, but I'm with um, I'm with Taylor on this. I agree. I because I was a bit like mm, about Ethan Hawke because of the whole cheating rumors. Then he's good friends with Seth Meyers, and I love <laughs> Seth Meyers. I love <laughs> Seth Meyers. So friends okay. with a bad person. He wouldn't be friends with a bad person. So then that did tip the scales for me a little bit. Sure, sure. Ethan thrived. And Uma, with great dignity, with great dignity, survived. I mean, how old are these two people now? 50s, if that? They are, they're born in 1970, so they are 52. Yeah, so they're 52, yeah. So she's still got, she's she's still got, I think she might still find, I think I can see Uma doing a bit of a Salma Hayek and just finding some incredibly, she's working her way up the businessman, as it seems already. Yeah. So I think she might do that and just find herself an incredibly wealthy businessman and then just live a fantastic life somewhere, like in a vineyard or something. And then, yeah, I can, I can see that being her future. If you're listening, Uma, we are absolutely rooting for you. Yeah, we're on your side. (laughs) (laughs) I bet, I bet that's worth a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just, I bet she was. She had, she had the razor blades poised, and now she's like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. Those girls believe in me. <laughs> Taylor, we also have one very important question to ask you. Oh yes, let you go. That's right. Well, Taylor, you've heard a few episodes, so you may you may be aware of this question. We ask all our guests, trying to find someone to match up with a woman out there who's unbelievably still single. And as we always say, we don't think she needs someone. We believe she deserves to be loved by someone. As Gron likes to point out, any gender, any gender works. Doesn't matter if they're married or not. We feel anyone would step aside for their partner to be with the one, the only. Can you match someone up with her? Share fucking hell that's a hard one <laughs> wow I'm just saying Uma Thurman is available <laughs> you 
can't put a Numa with a share, though. You can't put a Numa no. with a share, no. That is, woo, that's, yeah. Can I, can I say what popped in my head as soon as you said yes, that? We love, yes, that's what we love. We love guts. I'm not even sure it's human. I think it's a an animatronic, oh, okay. genderless new? creature that probably has been built in Japan and Cher hasn't met it yet. But man, they're going to hit it off and they're just going to create the best <laughs> single <laughs> we've ever heard. So that's Sharon, where my head went. Sharon Wally. That's where that's, yeah. that's, that's where we're going. <laughs> that's where I'm going. That I hope that helps. One. That's yeah. a new one. So her, yeah, because she deserves more than what the human race can offer. Yeah. This this is it. I don't even, I don't mean it about it. It's the highest compliment. Like if you've superseded humanity and it, it's only animatronics, then <laughs> I would love. I could imagine her like at a party being like, "What? You date humans? Oh, I gave up on humans years ago." And as oh, the, as a joke, the robot would keep doing the like reverb thing that she pioneered. <laughs> Do you believe yeah. I'm dating Sharon? <laughs> Oh, whenever I get bored, I just turn his batteries off. <laughs> He's a bit grouchy. I didn't charge him that good last night. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it would be great. There's no bathroom oh. situation involved, no showering. They always smell good. They haven't got to eat anything. This is great. I'm jealous of Cher. <laughs> and, and robots live forever. forever. And Cher, Cher also lives live forever. forever. Yeah. Um, perfect answer. Perfect. <laughs> you, it's always one. your instinct. It, you always have to go with your gut when it comes to Cher's love life. Yeah. This is why I took improv glasses, guys. It's so I'd say <laughs> what came into my head and trust it. <laughs> that was excellent. Do you have any, are there any things we've missed out on Ethan and Umer? Or do you think we've covered it? Any final thoughts on them or... No, but this has been an absolute delight to deconstruct them because I haven't thought about them in a long time. And it just takes me back to such a like, it was the formative years of my own life. Mm -hmm. So it's like, wow. Yeah. Great times. And if anyone needs um, any recommendations of songs, I highly recommend the very little known Ethan Hawke singing the song Nothing on the Reality Bites soundtrack. It's it's great. Really recommend. It says a lot about who he is as well. Really like it. Just a little recommend there. Speaking of recommendations, where can our listeners find you, Taylor? Where can they find any more of your incredible work? Do you want my address with the postcode? (laughs) Social security number next. Thank you. Well, I do do a podcast called Drunk Women Solving Crime, which Grania has been on. And Chantal, we'll have to get you on if you're interested, please. So yeah, you can you can sort of find me there and I'm on all the socials on the media and such. But yeah, yeah, follow me on Twitter if you want and stuff. Go listen to that podcast, guys. It's absolutely wonderful. We love it. We, everyone Uh-oh. knows we love it, but yeah, we love it. It's great. It's great <laughs> stuff. It's a lot of fun. We've it we is. are constantly baffled how it's turned into what it has because it was very much a silly side hustle and I still kind of can't accept that people really listen to it but then my mother will text me and be like that line you said about the guy's cock and I'm like oh, oh, <laughs> this is very real so oh, yeah. that'll be us one day Grania you just wait <laughs> <laughs> well you went from being a drunk woman solving crime to a Sober-ish woman solving a romantic crime. Well done, Grady. You're very tied it together That's there. It. Thank you so much for being here, Taylor. I really appreciate it. Oh, Thank you so much. Thanks, Taylor. Thank, Thank you. you, Taylor. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush. So 
email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks so much to Audio Boom for hosting and thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the way, way they, they were. were.